and welcome to Clock Spinning, the podcast of Magic's history as told card by card. I'm Austin, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Connor. How are you today, Connor? I'm doing pretty well. I've had uh, not one, but almost two breakfast burritos today at separate times of day, so, you know, it's been a good one. Honestly, that does sound like a great day to me. I can eat I can eat a breakfast burrito a day. For, actually, I have been for like the last week. <laughs> Isn't it great? It is great. It's the perfect food. So I'm also excited because today we're having a special uh, micro episode, I guess you would call it. Um, where well, we'll see about the final red time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how micro it ends up being. But we're um, spending a little bit of time with the basic lands painted by the Lord of Lands himself, John Avon. That's right. We are talking today about the master of mana, the Lord of Lands, the Baron of Basics, John Avon. I don't know if John Avon is actually the land king of magic, but I think he is. He's done 102 basics, which sounds like a lot. It's even more when you realize there's only, oh, quote unquote, only 1,511 unique basic arts. So he's done one out of every 15 basics, like in Magic the Gathering. Across that, he's done 20 plains, 18 islands, uh, 16 swamps, 28 mountains, and 20 forests. So a little interesting distribution there, more mountains than anything else. I think we'll see why when we get to the uh, actual art review segment. But I'm really excited about this. We are not <laughs> going to talk about all 102 John Avon basics. I think that would be a little much even for us. So we've each gone through and separately, secretly picked out our favorite John Avon basic for each of the basic land types. And we're going to talk about them live on air. Yes, I, I have no idea which John Avon basic lands Austin has chosen, and he doesn't know what I have picked, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good, yeah. We'll, we'll hear live reactions. Maybe there will be some disagreement. Maybe a fight will break out. We don't know. Anything could happen. Uh, this is obviously a very art-dependent episode, uh, so if you're listening on the podcast, there will be a link down in the show notes to view all of the uh, 10 or 15 or however many it is unique lands we talk about today. Or you can always watch on YouTube and we'll throw an image of each card and the art up as we talk about them. With that, Connor, is it is it time? Should we get into these? I, I think we better. Okay, well, first up, obviously we're going in Wubberg order here, which means we're starting with planes. And my pick... For my favorite John Avon Plains is the 7th edition one, 7th edition 344. Wow. I know, I know. So there's a couple things I really like about this one. One of the things I really like is it's got this beautiful golden color kind of suffused throughout the art, um, which is something in a lot of these Avon Plains, like you see it a lot in his Invasion Plains as well. But uh, here it's a little bit monochromatic and to me quite realistic. I also really love these two figures in the art. To me, they ground it. This is a really rare thing to see in a land for kind of obvious reasons. Wizards wants it unambiguous that this is a land. Um, but here it adds interest to what could be a really boring piece. Like this is a very realistic planes for magic. Like a lot of modern planes are, you know, barely planes, right? They're full of hills or crazy structures or, ge you know, like geometrical shapes or whatever. Here, this is literally a field of wheat. Um, but the two figures to me, like, add a, a sense of story. You wonder who are they? What are they doing? You can kind of insert yourself into the scene through these two figures. And then it's just really pretty. It's just a beautiful, highly technically uh, sophisticated piece of art. Uh, and this is like the super rare card that actually looks like good in white border, maybe better in white border. It, it looks really nice in the white border here. It's a little little spooky to me how how dark the sky is here. Like, it's almost as if there's no... There's there's no blue in this sky. It's just pure black, but... Oh, wow. I hadn't really noticed that. 
It is kind of sinister. Two kind of distant figures that are humanoid and like maybe holding hands or just standing close together. But something about like there's a lot of darkness in Peace actually that makes it just a little bit sinister. I didn't perceive it that way, but I can see how it it feels that way for sure. It's definitely, I would say it's definitely enigmatic at a minimum. You got these like these clouds, which by the way, wow, these clouds are like so, so perfectly realized. Um, they look almost photorealistic. Uh, and Johnny Vaughn's working in traditional medium, at least at this time for all of these pieces. So the fact he's able to achieve this kind of lighting is astonishing to me. Um, but yeah, I, I can see where it's a little bit, it's a little bit dark, a little bit moody, a little bit spooky even. Yeah, I, I think we may see a little more of that later on too. All right, let me let me hit you with my runner up so that we your card gets the full attention it deserves. I'll just quickly hit it. My runner up here is from the Magic Premier Shop 2007 Japanese promo, which is a promo set I've never heard of. It's just a really beautiful scene. It's got unusual colors, uh, and it makes me think I'm walking in the English countryside. It's just a really pretty, pretty piece. That's nice. I, I like how the flowers are kind of sparkling almost. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's hop over to my planes, which is taking us to a different plane of Kaladesh. I I really like this one. I gravitated toward actually this and the other Kaladesh planes that John Avon did. They're they're pretty similar. They have these rolling, really vibrantly green hills and these crazy clouds. Like we're we're going to see a lot of John Avon clouds in this episode, but um, he he does them so well. And and I love here how they they are swirling around and very much billowing kind of away from the city here. Um, they look so cottony and, and bright and fluffy and are against a blue sky here. So a little more cheerful, uh, at least to me. But I really love this balance of kind of realism with magic here. The clouds are clearly fantastical in the way that they're shaped, but they're not totally crazy looking. They're still clearly clouds. Uh, the planes are vibrant, but they're not completely over the top. You can still recognize this as a planes. And then we have this city in the distance, which is sort of situated at the center of this big swirl of the billowing, beautiful clouds. And to me, it looks really inviting and mysterious. You kind of see just enough of this city and this kind of bright blue line coming out of it. You see just enough of that to want to see more. And it kind of draws you into it and uh, at least keeps keeps my attention on this one. It's funny that you said you were talking about like more modern planes have a bunch of hills and structures and geometric shapes. And I feel like this kind of has all of the above <laughs> to some extent. There's rolling hills. There's uh, the structures of the city in the background. I guess they're also sort of geometric shapes. This one I think is really pretty and kind of captivating. It's also, I, I love this one. This was actually one I, I flirted with uh, picking. One of the interesting things looking at Avon's art over the course of researching this is he has a really unusual progression where I would say his early pieces are pretty impressionistic um, or not impressionistic, but they're quite moody. They're almost kind of like romantic. And then we get this real photorealism phase in the early 2000s. But then his recent, more recent pieces like this one are a lot more painterly. So that, that feels like a really unusual progression to me to go from photorealism to this like visibly painted uh, piece here. Whereas you could almost mistake my planes one or some of the other early ones as like actual photographs. Yeah, like if you contrast this to like his Return to Ravnica planes, which I guess, what is that? Return to Ravnica card number 250. Uh, or he did the Rise of the Eldrazi planes, which are all, uh, you know, connected as one long canvas. Those are both kind of more photorealistic. So yeah, that is kind of cool to see. Yeah, I also, uh, I love the clouds here. They almost look like they're caught on the spires of the city, which like emphasizes the height of the city. Uh, and of course, they got that kind of classic Kaladesh swirl that a lot of the Kaladesh lands have. But here it's 
it's very, very subtle. I do not have a runner-up, so I think what I'll do now is just hop right over to the islands. All right, clicking a link. Okay, so this is John Avon's island from Unstable. And I feel like this is kind of like my basic bro land pick. Like I know the, the Unstable <laughs> and Unfinity and Unglued, all those lands are very popular. Uh, they're often very pretty lands and kind of chase chase cards. Nothing surprising here. This is a really, really cool piece. Kind of like the city that we saw in the plains, we have this beautiful sort of wash over the whole scene here. There's a huge rocky island that's sort of in the distance, and this wash over it gives a, a real sense of scale to that rock, especially the way that it lightens as we come down toward the waterline. And what I really love is that the the sky, the rocks, the waves, even the birds here, every single part of this island is composed of just different values of blue. Uh, there's no other visible color here, and I, I think that's somewhat true of some of Avon's other unstable basic lands, but with the island, it really, really pops out that this is just straight up blue. And there's just this this masterful use of the different values of it to create this really amazing sense of depth and realism that, you know, I think would be very, very difficult to achieve using just a single color as he's done here. It's also kind of spooky to me, but in in a very subtle way, it it kind of evokes this sense of isolation, like Mm -hmm. These two barren rocks and this handful of birds that we see are the only things left in the world. And it's it's just a just a hint of it. It's not trying to scare you. It's not trying to be frightening, but there's just like a little bit of existential spookiness to it. On that last part, I, I feel like I can almost hear this the more I look at it. Like you can you can mm -hmm. sort of hear the the crashing of the waves against this rock and the chop of the surf. You can hear the seabirds uh like crying as they you know, circle around these rocks. Like there's a real, this is something I felt with a lot of these, honestly, uh, some of the ones I'm like the one I'm going to talk about in a second is it felt like, like a real scene or I could, I could imagine myself in there. And that's an unusual thing for me with art. Honestly, I don't, I don't get that very often that I feel like I could just step into something. And I get that with a lot of these John Avon pieces. He really knows how to, to create a scene that pulls you in. I'll say this one is one I, I flirted with. To me, this is maybe a little too fantastical or like there's something in the scale of the two rocks that doesn't quite click for me, but it's obviously on a technical level. I think this is flawless. It's just not, it doesn't grab my heartstrings quite as much. I'll forgive your heartstrings. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So my uh, my number one John Avon Island pick is Invasion 336. Uh, there's a couple things I really liked about this. The main thing is that it's just so real. Um, it has these light, fantastical elements. We've got these staves kind of sticking out of the beach here. We got this sort of impossibly columnar rock, actually kind of similar to the Unstable Island rock uh, that you were just talking about. But to me, it's very, very physical, very grounded. One of the things I really like like about this is it it shows this, um, it's got that same fading effect you were talking about. It's got this real sense of distance. And then it also, like the lighting in here, the wash, um, the kind of sharpness of the lighting feels like how it feels to walk on the Oregon coast on a really bright day. Like it's got this simultaneously like washed out and yet bright quality that feels incredibly real to me. And that that mastery of light, that ability to bring in light and depth uh, in very monochromatic pieces is, uh, I think, a John Avon signature we're going to see throughout a bunch of these pieces. And I feel it really strongly here. And it's just, it's a scene that I, I kind of want to go walk out onto that beach and start exploring. It even has this sort of uh, Phyrexian looking goo 
that you frequently find <laughs> on the Oregon coast. Is that goo? I see it as rocks, but this is from invasion. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's it is from a invasion. goo. It kind of looks like some Phyrexian goo, and they've been stabbed with these cool staves. Oh, wow. I don't, wow, I never right? It's kind of like way. shiny and slimy, right? Yeah, I don't know if I like it more or less with that, but you're right. There's a little, there's almost a, a kind of like you were saying about the other island. There's a, there's a slightly threatening thing here. There's like a hint of violence on the beach. But there's, there's also like this really, with this one too, I get this sense of kind of isolation, right? Like this is the, yes. the edge of the world that we're standing at. And this big pillar off in the distance is, is the last land for thousands of miles. There's just like, I, I don't know. It, it's so hard to describe how the individual elements in a painting like this come together to create that feeling. But there's just like this desolation here that is captured so well. Well, there's no foliage in these pieces at all. They're very sort of harsh and stern landscapes, right? There's nothing. These are beautiful landscapes, but they're not inviting. Right. Like if we contrast it with the plains we were talking about, all those plains feel like, I don't know, they feel like the Shire, right? Like you feel like some flutes are going to start playing. They feel very warm and welcoming and safe, albeit you didn't feel that way about my plains. <laughs> but these islands are not like that, right? These islands are like very stark, very kind of bright, high contrast, sharp. These are not like alpha tropical islands no. these are these are which which i think feels right for an island right like islands mm -hmm. it's right there in the name islands are like isolated they're alone uh which is something i don't know that always comes through i just want to say about your planes i i think what i was trying to articulate is that it feels like those two figures standing in the field are about to be abducted by a ufo <laughs> it totally does <laughs> you're 100 percent right on that so it doesn't feel safe to me <laughs> Uh, I also have a runner-up, but you'll have to forgive me. I have a runner-up on all these because I just love so many pieces. My quick runner-up on this, on this one is uh, Unhinged 137. Uh, this is, you know, classic. To me, this might be the all-time classic island. Uh, it's one of the most expensive basics out there. I had a couple foils and I sold them. I don't know what I was thinking. This is just a gorgeous piece. It's like hyper-saturated, yet it's very realistic. I love the birds and shadows in the water. There's a lot of depth and realism in this landscape. It, it's basically like Robinson Crusoe's island, and I want to go live there. Yeah, this one's a lot more inviting than the last one. It is. This this one is actually inviting. This is like, oh, yeah, I would like to go dock a boat there and go hunting or fishing or something. Yeah. Not that I hunt or fish, but, <laughs> but I like the fantasy. You could if you were there. Yeah, 100%. Also, maybe we can fight over this, Connor. I, I think the unhinged frame is the best full art basic frame. What do you think? <sighs> no. I can't. I can't agree with that. That's just. It's. It's just boring. Well, what, which one's the best then? You're not going to say unstable's better. Unstable's too basic for me. It's like unstable is boring. It doesn't have any magic to it. It's just like a. I mean, it looks like a really nice Kickstarter. Like every possible full art basic frame, like the Phyrexia all will be one. Yes, Phyrexian. But frame. the frame. Like every oh, just, just the frame. The frame. <sighs> Yeah, I got I got to get back to you on that, but it can't. All right, be I'll this. capture it. I'll capture it for the episode backlog. It can't be this. Ranking every full art land frame, <laughs> adding it to the list. That'll be a good one. All right, I'm sure you all know Wubberg order, so you know where we're going. We are going to swamp. My swamp pick is Arena League 2006 number three this is a little bit of an obscure one but when you click the link i think you'll find it's maybe familiar this is obviously a ravnican swamp um this is the opposite of everything i've been saying i like in that this is absolutely not real this is extremely fantastical but i think to me this is like a perfect 
Ravnican land. It's very urban. It gets across the sense of density. It shows off the plane. It's very fantastical, but it's also very gritty and grounded. And something I noticed, even frankly with John Avon, is looking at some of the Ravnica lands, like this need to marry a land in a city can result in these lands that are kind of goofy. Like they're overly complex. There's too much going on. They don't feel like whatever land they're supposed to be anymore, or they're just like too packed with geometry to make a compelling painting. Uh, But not this one. Like this one is very gritty and grounded to me. I feel like I can hear the water dripping here. I can sort of feel the closeness of it. I can feel the like light, like leaking into this very dim space. Uh, There's a couple elements about the composition here that I think are particularly clever. Um, One, I love the idea that the buildings have become stalactites. They're like hanging from the ceiling. And that's Mm -hmm. obviously ludicrous, but it totally works in a cave setting. I think it's super cool. Um, seeing these like orange doorways, like leaking a little bit of light into this dim cave. And something I really like, I think is super clever is we're peering into this space from under an arch, right? Like the top of the frame here is a, a like darkened arch. And then at the back of the space, there's another gigantic darkened arch. And so it, it sets this sense, this very appropriate Ravnican sense of like, How long does this thing go on? Well, it's Ravnica. This city never ends. This underworld never ends. This is like a massive plane spanning city. And this piece in a super subtle way gets across that scale and scope of Ravnica, just I think from those double arches and from the scope of the building. So anyway, absolutely love this piece. Wow, that's good. There's a lot of kind of weird details that I feel like emerge the longer you look at this. Like on the right-hand side, there's this sort of, demon face looking sculpture what is that i was trying to figure that out is that like a demony face is that just a weird rock formation and same with the thing on the bottom left what is that yeah you can't quite tell what that is and then right above the thing on the bottom left there's this thing that looks like it's maybe part of the building but there's also some sort of like platform coming out of this side and then that whole column is sort of like the geometry is not quite what you'd expect it to be. Well, it's like warped and organic to me in the way that like an actual like cave structure would be. Sort of following the stalactite or something like it's been carved out of it. Oh, I like that theory a lot. That's what I was kind of seeing here is that these have been like carved out of stalactites. What a great bit of storytelling. Yeah, there's just a, a lot of a lot of cool details in this that keep your eye wandering around trying to find more about this little space we're peeking into. Yeah, one thing I think I like there is like your eye wanders, but it's also grounded. Like I think it's particularly grounded by this like really strong column on like right two thirds from the left of this piece and then the arches. So anyway, all that to say, I think like your eye sort of wanders, but it also has things to anchor to. Like there are focal points to this art, even though it's quite busy. Yep, cool one. Very cool. And I'll dispatch with my uh, runner up. Uh, It's another unhinged one. It's the unhinged swamp. I think from a technical standpoint, this one is just astonishingly beautiful. I love the colors. I love the lighting. I like how dark it is. It's super, super dark and brooding in a way you don't always get from magic swamps, but it's just a little bit too symmetrical for my taste, which I know is the gimmick for these unhinged lands, but it's 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 maybe too symmetrical to quite be my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's very symmetrical. But it's very spooky. I love these spooky branches. It is. Okay, let's go to the the plane of magic 2015 for my swamp. Whoa, M15. Whoa, this one's a curveball. I know. I'm curious about this one. This was a curveball to me too. This was not the swamp I I don't know what I would have expected to pick, but it wouldn't be this. This one is really like gross and sinister compared to pretty much every other Avon land that I saw. There's lots of like icky 
Icarus stuff hanging around, literally, like coming down from the top of the frame, but not in a way that kind of suggests we're looking at a creature or some other type of card, uh, which is one of the kind of inconsistent pet peeves I have with some non-creature lands is that it looks a little too much like a creature like we've been discussing. Uh, But this, like, there's all these sort of suggestions of some horrible monster that's just outside the frame, but not enough to tell you what that might be. And it's just, it's really different from the sort of archetypical Avon lands, which have these very soft backgrounds, most of them uh, really lush colors. This is rocky, this is spiky, this is tentacly, and it's really (laughs) very hostile looking, but it still has that kind of signature cloudiness uh that a lot of avon's pieces have especially as it's fading into the background so i just this one was really really striking to me as something that does not look at all like a john avon piece when you first see it especially all this gooey spikiness in the front in the foreground uh but then is it the closer it gets to the background the more recognizable it gets as something that he's done i like the enigma of this like if this was from a non-core set you could go oh this is phyrexian evil right here or what or these are slivers but like are there slivers actually because that talon in the kind of center left is very sliver like to me but in a core set it's a little like well what is going on here i don't i don't quite know uh so that that's fun yeah this one's a this is an interesting one you're right it is sort of far afield from john avon but it does look more avon-y if i cover up the gross parts which makes me appreciate his his range yeah it could be it really could be any of those villains there are six slivers in m15 that's a weird number hmm. how six what i sorry i'm it's like a total aside but i'm baffled by having exactly six slivers in a set but where is yeah. the support for that in all colors plus an extra across all or? colors there are six slivers in m15 and i'm sure there weren't in any of the other huh. like sets and standard at the time no. so that's confusing but let's lay that aside and say that talon could be a sliver it's very like a sliver's stingy tail yeah we have a we have a bonus sliver in this art yeah that's a good one and then i have a runner-up of my own now um from unstable going back to the well here i really really <laughs> like this swamp I, w- I was torn between this and the 2015 one really it's the the lighting in here is what does it for me i i love this sort of almost will-o'-the-wisp looking blue glow in the center under this very bruisey, brooding sky. Uh, All these dead, spiky, spindly trees with uh, water reflecting the lighting perfectly. It's just very cool, very swampy and spooky. Yeah, I know we keep saying lighting, but the the lighting the mastery of light that john avon shows and light sources and reflections and stuff is like it's it's, it's amazing it's mind-blowing yeah okay uh let's head over to the mountains specifically the mountains of kamigawa this mountain and really all of the kamigawa mountains might be my all-time favorite basic land arts um really i just love these so much so this mountain and the three other kamigawa mountains that john avon did Uh, all form one continuous painting. So if you have mountains number 299 to 302 and you line them all up next to each other, uh, they'll all form one continuous picture. And the same same thing's true of uh, all of the Champions of Kamigawa basic lands in the other colors. But only the mountains were done by John Avon. Uh, And to me, all of these are just incredible pieces of art. uh, (laughs) Going straight back to the well on lighting, the lighting in this piece is just insane. We have this blindingly brilliant sun that's 
creating these these bright colors, sharp edges, deep shadows. Uh, but then there's a, these sort of what almost feel like signature clouds now uh, between these very sharp rock formations that soften those details just perfectly and kind of help to create this blend from a purple, almost bruise-like sky at the top to this just glowing blast of orange light at the bottom of the piece uh and the the balance of of softness and sharpness uh and and darkness and light and these deep deep purples and bright bright oranges just all of it coming together centered around that sun in the sky is just uh oh beautiful chef's kiss i love all of the kamigawa lands basics all of them even the non-john avon ones i love the panoramas i'll link in the show notes um, if you want a, an image or post that shows all of these panoramas, because they're all gorgeous. I like that the um, the John Avon pieces are completely ludicrously over the top here in a way he rarely allows himself. And I don't know what it was about this assignment that made John Avon feel he could go like to 11 on the light source thing on the like, it's almost like a velvet painting level of gaudiness. I don't mean <laughs> that is. in a bad way. I just mean, these are like so intense. They're like so colorful, so emotionally intense. So like brightly lit. They're like, they're like, I don't know. They're like a late two thousands game in terms of like lens flare or something. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they're totally over the top and I love it. They're, they're really, really fun. They, they just hit you full on and, and I, I love how ridiculous they are. Uh, I'm just going to go right into my runner-up, which is, this was mountain number 300 from Champions of Kamigawa. My runner-up is mountain number 301 from Champions of Kamigawa, <laughs> okay. which would be the one uh, immediately to the right of this mountain. So they, they really just form one painting. This is really just one card that I'm reading here. You said velvet painting, and this one even more so. <laughs> this one is... <laughs> it's so... There's so much going on. It's so ridiculous. These these mountains, the like night sky with almost a you can't quite tell if we're looking at a galaxy in the sky or snow blowing off of the mountains. There's either like sort of a river of clouds or a big glacier right through the center of the piece. Just like ridiculously over the top, but ridiculously beautiful. I'm going to take us right from this to my runner-up, and then I'll go to my finalist, because my runner-up is also a Champions of Kamigawa <laughs> Fountain, but mine That's is perfect. number 302. So we got all but one of the panorama in here. Unfortunately, my my number one pick is not one of these. No. But Mountain 302, I love all of these. I love 302 the most because I love how orange it is, and I love this giant arch to nowhere yes. in the center of the picture. Like, I look at this, and a lot of these make me want to, like, go build a D&D module or encounter around them. That's true of many good land arts. It's really true for this one. Like, what is this arch about? Why does it exist? How are we possibly going to traverse this impossibly vertiginous, hostile landscape? And then just the colors, the like snow slash cosmic dust that like (laughs) is scattered through and across this whole scene. I love it. It, It's so over the top and beautiful. Yeah. Looking looking at the three of these in succession, it's it's also really wonderful and you know kind of nonsensical but in the best way possible how each of these has sort of a different type of terrain going on yes. like here we're <laughs> we're kind of looking at plateaus and the last one it's just straight up snowy mountains in my number one pick it is i don't <laughs> i don't even know like huge rocky spires but they they all match each other so well and they do roughly work as a panorama um like they're a little bit silly but it, it more or less works yeah uh, and the lighting is pretty consistent throughout. Well, not really. Well, Actually, three to four is a pretty indefensible trip. Three, three stands out a little bit. 
the other's kind of merry, but then three is like this like purple confusion. But still beautiful. We love it. Okay, my number one John Avon Mountain, though, is I think an all-time classic, uh, at least based on Moto Streamer land picks, and that is Mirage 346. Mountain took me the longest time to pick of any of these. Like the rest of them, I just kind of scanned through, like for Plains, Island, Swamp. I was like, this is the one, this speaks to me. When I got to Mountain, it was tough. Mm -hmm. John Avon has the most mountains of any of the ones we talked about. There are 28, so that's like 30% of his output. Uh, no, sorry. There are, anyway, there's 28, uh, 28%, excuse me, of all of his basics are mountains. And there's just tons and tons of bangers. I had like five favorites and he's got a tremendous range. Uh, so just really quickly surveying it. Um, you've got really realistic ones like the fifth edition 443. You've got, uh, kind of Japanese ink wash ones like this one. You've got these brooding pieces and Urza's Saga lands to these crazy fantastical ones like the Champions or Mirrodin 302. You've got these monochromatic color studies, got like bright green, um, like verdant mountains. You got everything, but they're all bangers. So this was hard. I landed on this one on this Mirage 346 because to me, this is like the platonic essence of a Magic the Gathering mount. (laughs) It's very, very red. It's unmistakably a mountain. It's very restrained and very like painterly. And yet to me, it also feels sort of realistic. This feels almost like an earth landscape yeah. um, or it feels like how a, it looks like how a sunset feels. It's not how a sunset looks, but how a sunset feels, I don't know, in Hawaii or something like this is just like four color washes. It's like uh, a red and yellow stripe in the background. And then we got like three ombre effects <laughs> of red to black and then a black foreground. There's very little going on in this art. And yet it like has so much depth, so much emotion. It's peaceful, but there's a little bit of a brooding, sinister quality. I don't know. This, this just creates a lot of emotion in me. It's it's so pretty. It's a good one. It could almost be that John Avon had four pieces of ombre construction paper that he cut out in the shapes of different <laughs> really mountains and then, and then a jungle in the foreground and stacked them all up. But it really works. This this is like the the quintessential mountain. Yeah, it's like a it's an almost like kind of prehistoric like that's a good I don't one. know, like a yeah prehistoric depiction of Kilimanjaro or something. It's this is like humanity's birthplace mountain yeah. or something. Yes, it's got a it's got a mythic kind of mystical quality to it, and it's sure red. It's very very it's red, extremely red. All right, let's go to our final our final type of basic. Let's go to forest. Um, my forest pick is onslaught three forty nine. I love both of the John Avon onslaught basics, and it was really tough to choose. I ended up going for this one because. Because it's photorealistic, and I don't normally like photorealism much in my magic art, but it is a big part of what John Avon can do. It's like kind of his signature skill, especially in this era. And it's really, really on display here. Um, The light here is really, really intense. It's really luminous. It's very complex. And it's very, very consistent. Um, Like looking at it, we've got all the kind of shadows in the right place. We've got totally got this feeling of a forest floor with complexity and layers and different types of shapes and textures. That's all coming through on the forest floor. We have the light filtering through the trees from the left. We have this sort of mysteriously well-ordered forest, which feels odd in magic. This feels like a, I don't know, like a cultivated forest, like a logging company would plant. But then behind it, We've got this intensely bright light source at the back. And I don't know what that light source is. It, to me, it's a little bit sinister. Like this might be the Mirari. Um, it's not exactly sinister, you know, overtly unfriendly, but it doesn't feel friendly either. This scene feels 
pretty threatening, which feels appropriate to Onslaught Block. Like to me, Onslaught is about like nature going off the rails. And that's how this piece feels to me. Like this is a sort of tamed landscape that feels like it's becoming untamed, that feels like mm-hmm. it's becoming threatening. I really like this piece, both for its photorealism, realistic skill, but also the the emotion and the slight, the slightly uncomfortable quality of it. We're finding uh, a lot of those unsettling edges in these John Avon basics. Maybe that's part of what makes them work, right? Because I feel like a lot of basics are just like, here's a land. And I feel like a lot of these, there's a slightly uncomfortable quality to them. I think I think that's kind of what keeps us coming back or like wanting to to look at these lands for as long as we have been looking at them and and want to continue looking at them is there's there's just something like mysterious a little bit creepy um but at the same time like very inviting is not the right word but there's some gravity to them they they suck you in and make you want to keep looking at this and sort of imagine what story is being told in this you know most basic possible magic card well, I think they are inviting in the sense that a lot of these, I feel like I'm I, I'm about to step into the image. Right. And I think some of that is the realism of it. It's the sort of grounded physical quality. Some of it I'm also wondering now that I look at this and look back at some of the other ones I've said that about, like the uh, your planes or my island. I think some of that is like where my eye is as a viewer. My eye here is down at like human eye level, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of lands, you're kind of up in the sky. You're like a drone <laughs> looking down on the thing. Um, but here I'm like, I am in the scene and the lighting, the realistic lighting and the strong focal point, like all that is kind of pulling me into the piece. Hmm. That is a really good point. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking back at the, at my picks and yeah, they're, they're pretty much all at like human eye level, hmm. uh, except for maybe Kamigawa, which I, I think you're right. That really like pulls you into the scene. It, it lets you see yourself seeing this setting. Hmm. That's cool. And then uh, really quickly, my uh, forest runner-up, <laughs> no surprise, it's the unhinged one again. I, I really love all of these unhinged can't keep you away from uh, basics for John Avon. I can't, you can't, you can't. I think some of it is the frame, if I'm honest. But why do I love this one? I love the lighting. I'll, I'll stop saying it because it's true of all of these pieces. Um, but I like the kind of very light, fantastical elements here. We've got this sort of golden sparkly tree or something in the center and this golden light coming off of the grass but it's very very subtle for me the symmetry works these two central trees in particular make it feel like i'm about to step through some kind of magical woodland door and find out what's on the other side and i think it's really pretty i like this one a lot still don't love the frame it's it is just a rectangle but that's fine oh my god it's fine connor okay let's uh let's go right back to onslaught for the other Oh, no way, because I was so close to picking this, this one. Is, this is the closest we've been to agreement on our, our first pick for all these lands. I really love this one. And you, I don't know whether to to congratulate you for almost picking it or to shame you for not picking it. Uh, <laughs> but it's really good. This one was also a bit of a curveball to me. It just feels, at, at very first glance, it feels like kind of a random forest from Onslaught. But there's something about it that speaks to me and feels special for some reason. I really love how many layers there are to this piece. Well, starting off, it's it's very much at eye level, and it's very easy to imagine yourself in this forest. Uh, but there's so many layers to it. We have this dark, leafy foreground uh, that's a little bit like your jungle in the Mirage Mountain. Um, there's these trees and bushes of all these different shapes and sizes in the middle. Uh, these bigger sort of unusual trees uh, in the background that look more like something you'd see in the Serengeti. And then it all finally fades into this leafy green haze out in the distance. And I love that this forest feels like it's really burst
bursting with life, but it's not visually overwhelming. There are a lot of really nice details to look at here, kind of like the, uh, I know it wasn't a Ravnica swamp, but the set in Ravnica swamp that you picked, uh, or the Kamigawa Mountains, where there's a lot of cool details, but they're really balanced out by this simple background and what's almost an all green color palette. Like we have a little kind of bluish green flower situation in the bottom right corner. Uh, and the overall lighting in the background is a little bit bluish too, but it's like the overall impression is just green, verdancy, life. And I, I really like it. I love this one. And like that other Onslaught one, there is this slight sinister quality to it that I think fits with Onslaught, right? Like Onslaught block is about the Mirari twisting, you know, Dominaria's natural landscape, twisting the organisms and life of Dominaria into these exaggerated forms. And you get that in two very different ways across this. Like this is this like super abundance of crazy foliage. Mine is more like this highly ordered landscape with the suggestion of like disorder or change hovering Mm. about it. But both of them feel to me, I don't know if this is intentional, maybe I'm just making this all up, but they both feel like they're amplifying what the block is about, which is part of what a good basic does. If I contrast them with the other two, Forest and Onslaught, which are both competent by John Matson on 348 and David Martin on 350, I would say those are both just like solid standard Forest. But I think looking at them helps illustrate like what makes John Avon so exceptional is like one, his technical skill on displaying both these pieces, his abilities with light and realism but then two the way that he's like he's bringing emotion in that in this case complements what the set is supposed to be about in this totally background way right these are basic lands they just sit at the back of your uh, play area you barely look at them but they do contribute to your feeling your emotional sense of the game yeah i love that both of these avon onslaught forests like these forests are very beautiful but they don't feel safe Yes, yes, exactly. They don't feel safe. There's a real sense of danger. Like this one, it it almost looks like you might be hiding in a bush to avoid one (laughs) of these, you know, overgrown, massive mutant boars or whatever was wandering around in the, the forest of Onslaught. It creates such a scene without needing anything on the card to explain what's going on. Well, Connor, I think that's it for today's episode because I need to go buy all 102 John Avon Basic Lands. If you enjoyed this episode and enjoy John Avon Basic Lands, uh, I'm curious, what is your favorite John Avon Basic? Genuinely curious. Uh, comment on YouTube or Reddit. Email us, clockspinningpodcast at gmail.com. I want to know. Um, I'll pop a link into the show notes with a link to all 102 unique basics. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, subscribe on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app, share it with the magic playing friend. Uh, all these things mean a lot. The show is pretty new, still relatively small audience. And it's, it's really great to see more people listening to it and discovering it. Next time we'll be back probably to continue our champions of Kamigawa block review, but until then I'm Austin and I'm Connor. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>